0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Hey everyone, Pastor Nathan here. It is my honor to spend a few moments with you on this Wednesday evening. I am continuing a series that we have been doing on understanding our enemy, understanding the, the power of the enemy to thwart people of faith, how he comes at us, what the nature of a spiritual um, rebellion is like, and I am uh, closer to the end of it than the beginning. I realized I, I needed to do this in a more systematic way because us church people are really guilty of spiritual warfare this and to demon that. And and a lot of times if you're not kind of on the inside of knowing what we mean, it can be a little bit confusing. So uh, I'm going to entitle this tonight, uh, Satanic Strategies. And I am going to refer back to uh, things that we know biblically that Satan believes about all of us. This is Satan's view of the world, you might could say. Um, And I think it's really helpful for us because it shows us just how allied our carnal self is with uh, spiritual rebellion. Uh, This is why Paul can speak so strongly in talking about how the carnal the carnal nature, our mind, our heart, it's opposite the things of God. Uh, It is very much a religion of self, 100% me, my needs, my wants, my wishes. Uh, And Christ shows us the exact opposite of that. One who did not come to advance self, but one who laid down all his advantages that he might rescue others. Uh, This is very much fundamental and the key insight into the nature of Satan and rebellious spirits is the same insight that's in rebellious flesh. And that is the religion of self, not submission, the exaltation of self, not worship. And this, the essence of this is repetitive over and over and over in the scripture. So you'll see this, this, the way of Satan being, way of Satan being uh, really the religion of self. You'll see that in the things we looked at that Satan believes about you. Number one, Satan believes that your real God is the self, yourself. Uh, If there is a higher power, uh, your goal is to manipulate him to serve you. Uh, Your real goal is yourself. That's what Satan believes about all created beings. Uh, Number two, you can be bribed, however, to serve God. This is shown to us in the story of Job. Satan believes, the accuser, um, believes that Job is serving God because of a quid pro quo, kind of one hand washes the other type of an arrangement where, yeah, if you're good enough to me, then I will serve you, uh, because really it's the only path to better myself, and my real God is myself. The third thing uh, Satan believes about you is, um, secretly, you hate living in the tension of faith, and you will never consider living in the tension of faith as an act of love. You will never consider it as a act of worship, but you will always resent living in faith because faith is to live out submission to someone else who's in control. Uh, you resent that Satan believes, and you live in protest, even if you're religious. A Satan doesn't care if if you're religious, I'm religious, he doesn't care. He does some of his best work with religious people. Uh, He's accomplished some of his most evil things with religious people. Um, So that is why one of his great weapons is deception, because if he can deceive religious people into thinking following Christ is about something it isn't really about. Ideally, if he can convince you to believe that following Christ is something that uh, dis- d- divides uh, and damns, then if he can make your religion about things that are minor things that ultimately divide and damn then he's the deceiver. I mean, you're doing his work for him, dividing and damning. And so that is uh, something that I think is humbling for all of us to consider. Um, number four, he believes that no matter how spiritual you are, um, <laughs> You're still going to fight the lust of the flesh. Now, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I heard a joke this week. Not a. It's kind of a corny joke, but I, I'll share it anyway because you guys know I love jokes. Uh, this young, this young, a priest went to an elder priest, and he said, "Father, uh, I'm still attracted to beautiful young women, and I I don't know what to do. I, I need to overcome this." And the his you know his elder the elder priest said, "Well, my son." Um, it's, it's really one of the most difficult challenges of being a priest. It's so difficult, in fact, that when you finally get over it, uh, they will give you a certificate of award saying you no longer are, uh, tempted by beautiful young women. And the priest said, really? I haven't heard about this, this, this award. What, what's it called? The older priest said, it's, it's called a certificate, a death certificate. <laughs> in other words, you're going to fight this until you die. So, um, Satan knows that no longer, no matter how spiritual you are, you still fight the lust of the flesh. Now, if religious people knew this, they would be more hesitant. Um, they would be more humble. They would not put themselves in the way of temptation. They would worry um, because this is what I know. You can talk in tongues for two hours in a church service, brag all during the altar time about how spiritual you are, and go to a out to eat with your friends and be tempted right after that service. In fact, it's worse than that. You can be tempted in that spirit in that service while you are being influenced in and, uh, and the like by by that great worship service. Number five, um, Satan believes that what you really want is power, um, and you're always going to be tempted by power. And so he's going to lure you with power. What you really want is to demonstrate the power of God, not the heart of God. Uh, in other words, Satan believes that if lust doesn't get you pride will and this yeah it's 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 a real risk and then number 6 the sixth thing satan believes about you is that you'll do whatever you need to do to get what you want even if it makes you like him the devil <laughs> ultimately you're about you and you will manipulate you will miss whatever you need to do to get what you want. You'll title it whatever you want to title it, you'll label it whatever you label it, but the truth is you want what you want and you're willing to fight to get it. So these are six things you can see in the stories of the Bible that Satan believes about all created beings. And unless we are changed by a spiritual transformation, uh, these things are, are true. Unless we are changed by spiritual transformation, these things are true. The good news is, is we are not left uh, trying to do this by just the strength of will. Now, will is required, uh, but will is just a beginning. Uh, in order to finish the thing, you're gonna need the power of the Spirit. And so, uh, if you aren't transformed, your real God will be yourself. If you aren't transformed, you really will um, be, you can be bribed, to serve God. It's not a love story. It's a fear story, a duty story, a slave story. It's not a love story. Uh, If you aren't transformed by the power of God, you will hate living in the tension of faith. You don't want to submit yourself to God's way. You want to tell God what you want. Even if you give it a religious title and name it and claim it, um, you're still trying to tell God what you want in your You secretly hate the tension of faith and we'll never see it as worship. We'll never see it as an act of love. Uh, Number four, if you aren't transformed by the Spirit, won't matter how spiritual you are, uh, flesh will be there reaching for you. If we aren't transformed by the Spirit, uh, we will be seduced by a quest for power. And we will always look down our nose at churches that talk about loving everybody. They're just so sick of hearing about love. Why? What they want is power of God. Well, you wouldn't be the first one to make that mistake. That was why the children of Israel um, (laughs) were so disappointed in Jesus. They were so disappointed in Jesus. They wanted a a God who came uh, with a sword, uh, not a God who came on a cross. And finally, unless we are transformed by the power of the Spirit, we'll do whatever we think we need to in order to to manipulate God, um, even if it makes us like Like the devil. So, with that in mind, let me refer you to a a scripture that you will, you will very much, you will very much know, and it is the 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 passage of scripture, uh, Ephesians six, verse number eleven. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Wait, what? Yes, Satan has strategies. What are those strategies? Well, good question. (laughs) That's what we're going to talk about uh, right now. Um, There are four big ones that I want to focus upon. Uh, There are as many different ones as there are unique elements to your personality, but there are four ones based in principle that will continually be brought against people of faith over and over and over. Uh, The first one is the original one, and that is a satanic strategy to get you to question God's word, rather than understand it. So his strategy is he—he's trying, he's seeking to get you in a frame of mind where you're questioning God's word, not to understand it, but to manipulate it and get what you want out of it. Um, so. Uh, this is what happens with Eve in the garden. And the devil asked, did God really say, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? But his questioning is not to understand. It's not the question that is the flashpoint. It is the intent of the question. If the question is to understand, it is uh, the path forward. Um, if the question is to manipulate and find a way to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak, uh, then it re- reflects a rebellious heart <clears throat> that is not submitted submitted to to God. So the first strategy of Satan, and you'll see this <clears throat> in the scripture, is to get you to question God's word rather than submit to it, rather than to accept it, rather than to understand it. The second strategy uh, that you'll see repeated over and over um, in the scripture is uh, Satan wants to uh, convince you your identity is set by things in your life, people in your life, circumstances in your life, not by your creator, not by your father. Uh, this is context for this is Luke 4 when uh, the tempter is asking Jesus these uh, manipulative questions. If thou be the son of God, then do this to prove it, if thou be. This is questions about Jesus's identity. Um, Is he who his father said he was, or is he some trumped up upstart? This is Jesus, the flesh, the son of God, seeking to understand duty within submission and humility to divine purpose. This is the flesh versus the spirit. And this is shown to us in the scripture in the form of father and son, not to create pantheism or not to create uh, tritheism or not to create polytheism, but to understand that Christ in his flesh was in all points tempted like as we are and needed to submit to the way of the spirit. Uh, This becomes a foundational spiritual path for all of us to follow. This is why he can be seen in the garden of Gethsemane crying, not my will nevertheless not my will thy will be done so the first strategy of satan is to get you to question the word of god for the purposes of having it serve you rather than you serve it having it submit to you rather than you submit to it this is the religion religion of self we can say it a million different ways but it just comes over and over and over Uh, we need to take it seriously we need to take it to prayer and then secondly Uh, Satan would love for you to allow your identity to be set. um, If not by him, (laughs) then by other things in your life. Let your career set your identity. Let let your hobby set your identity. Let your friends set your identity. None of those things or people are your creator. None of those things or people are your heavenly father. We need to fight to withdraw our attachment to the things of this world so our identity can be set by by almighty god the third one is to misuse scripture for something that was not what it was intended for now this has two this has two paths there's ditches on both sides of the road as the preacher old-time preacher used to say you can uh, misuse scripture uh, to justify sin uh, or you can misuse scripture to add to the scripture remember we're we're, we're warned in the scripture against taking away or adding to and the same judgment that's given for taking away is given for added adding to we have to deeply humble ourselves and say what is the bible saying how can i understand it and having understood how can i submit myself submit myself to it the third strategy of satan is to misuse the scripture for something it was not intended for, okay? Uh, I think, again, in Luke 4, the tempting of Jesus, uh, you see this. uh, So, verses 10 and 11, Luke 4, Satan quotes Psalms 91, 11, and 12. And his goal is to persuade Jesus to act in the flesh rather than follow the Spirit. Now, we're commanded the same things in the New Testament, like. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 16, verse 25, uh, we must walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. And so Satan has, um, he's trying to get the Lord to work a miracle that's not for the purposes for which a miracle would be given, but would be for the purposes of reassuring the flesh. That is the fundamental temptation. So he quotes scripture, Psalms 91, 11 and 12. Uh, but he doesn't finish it. You see, he wants to use it for what he wants to use it for. He doesn't want to humble himself and seek to understand it. And I want to say, um, for those of us who have been serving God many, many years, it is imperative that we hold the scripture in trembling hands and that we do not use it to justify something that is of our preference or our way. Um, and if we don't do that, there will be no difference in us than what Satan does in Luke chapter number four. We cannot, the Bible talks about, and you guys have heard me say this, we must rightly divide the word. What do you mean divide? That's a strange verb, but it's not an accident. Put things together that go together. Don't just grab this and try to use it for something that you wanna use it for. You can't just say, whatever you ask for, it shall be given, therefore, why haven't you bought me a uh, all, paid vacation somewhere, I claim it. Uh, no, you, you you can't use it for what you wanna use it for. You have to look at what it is saying, who it's saying to, and what is the purpose for which that person is being challenged to press forward in faith spiritually. If you cannot do that, you're not being true to the, st- the text. I mean, you may be reassuring yourself, that's fine. I mean, knock yourself out, but you're not being true to the text. That's exactly what Lucifer does in Luke chapter number 4. He takes the scripture. He's not a, he, he's willing to use the scripture. He's just not willing to humble himself to it and try to understand it. What is it saying? What he wants to do is use the scripture <laughs> for what he wants Jesus to do. Sound familiar? Yeah. Satan does not complete the psalm. And in the very next verse, he does it again. He quotes Psalms 91, verse 13. The, 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 the scripture. Well, let me, let me back up here. I'm, 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 I'm skipping around. So the temptation is the misquotation of verses 11 and 12, but he does not finish the Psalm, which is verse 13. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpents. These references are symbolic for dangerous enemies. In fact, the scripture is actually talking about the devil. Wait, you mean the very scripture the devil is misquoting is talking about him? Yes. So <laughs> the devil is likened to both a lion and a serpent. Genesis 3 verse 15, Revelations 20 verse number two, first Peter five verse number eight, uh, also Romans 16 verse number 20. The true, the true meaning of Psalms 91 is not that Jesus you should you should leap off the temple because you know you're going to be fine, or you should make stones turn into bread, so you can be reassured. That's not the purpose here uh, in Psalms 91. It is that God will protect and empower His anointed servant as they overcome Satan. Yes, the very person who is quoting the Bible, one of the wiles of uh, the Scripture. Uh, the devil, rather, is to use the scripture in order to create a spiritual way. That's what he wants Jesus to do. That is about satanic goals, not heavenly goals. That's exactly what he wants to do. He wants, he wants to misuse scripture to get Jesus to follow in a way that fulfills satanic goals. What are his goals? To steal to kill, to destroy, or as I said earlier, to divide and destroy, to take, divide, destroy. All right, so uh, number four, and I'm almost done. One of the wild strategies of Satan is to offer a clever solution that allows you to avoid submitting the self and disciplining the self. It's almost as though the, the, the devil says, hey, you know, you can still be religious, just serve yourself. You can still go to church, just serve yourself. Again, Luke 4, the devil leads him to a high place, verses number five through seven. He shows him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and the devil says this to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours." So it is as though Satan is trying to figure out the heart of God and tempt Jesus away from it. Somehow Satan does not realize that this man in front of him is the Lord of glory if he had known that he would have not arranged for jesus to be falsely accused and slain on a roman cross this is not my opinion this is bible if they had known if the demons the princes the principalities of this world had known they would have not crucified the lord of glory evidently it is as though satan is bringing to jesus the temptation of a prophet the temptation of an anointed one that's what he thinks he's doing and he thinks, man, this, 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 this guy really has a heart to, 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 to change the world, to, to save people. He really has a heart to reach this world. Sound familiar? <laughs> he has a heart to reach this world. All right. I'll let you do it. Just do it my way. And what is Satan's way always going to be? Worship Satan. It's the self. He, he's exalting himself. I am at the top. Me, not God first and then others, me first. And we'll use God to serve me and we'll use others to serve me. It's an upside down kingdom, this kingdom of heaven. And the way to have is to give. And the way to become is to serve because the self is the enemy. Uh, so Satan wants to offer this clever solution. You have a heart? You have a heart for the the, 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 the world? You have a heart for the people of the world? Uh, here's a way. Um, I'll offer you the kingdoms of the world. Notice this, satanic kingdoms are always top down because they're a scarcity economy and the way to have is to take. Satanic kingdoms are always top down. The way to have is to take. God's kingdom, the way to have is to serve. And so what Lucifer is offering to Jesus is not the people of the world. That would be bottom up. That's what worship is. That's what God wants from your life, my life. Bottom up, worship my heart to God. No, Satan doesn't operate that way. Satan operates top down, power, control, authority, threat, enslavement. You get the idea? The kingdoms of Satan are top down. I offer you the kingdoms of the world, but that's not the kind of kingdom that God wants to build. He wants a different kind of kingdom. This is people who choose not to serve the self, but to place God at the very, on the throne of their life. And then because He has changed them, they are able to serve, they're able to love, they're able to embrace. Christ has moved that middle wall of partition. That's not the veil that keeps you from the presence of God, He removed that too. He removed the inner wall of partition that kept people from each other kept men from women and uh, Gentiles from Jews. He, he tore down that middle wall of partition. And we all are equal. We're all on level ground at Calvary. And we all, as John would say in uh, his scripture, in his uh, epistles, as Paul would say, as Peter would say, we serve by, we serve vertically by serving horizontally. We love vertically by loving horizontally. No man, John says, can love God who he hasn't seen and hate his brother. What he's saying, if he tries to do that, is the love of God did not transform him. All right, so that's enough. Satan wants to offer a clever solution where you can say you're religious, but you serve the self. You take over the world by force, not the heart of the people, but the kingdoms of the world. Force them, make them, threaten them, enslave them, dominate them if they're scared enough then they'll love you. That's the satanic path. I don't wanna walk that path. So, all right, that's enough for now. Love you, God bless you. Uh, We are kicking off small groups at First Church. Um, It is something that you'll be hearing about. We have our expo coming up very soon. Uh, We want to find ways to connect horizontally with each other because that fulfills the law of love. Uh, That is, um, uh, it's like a, a, a commandment That's like unto the first, which is to serve the Lord your God with all your strength, all your mind. You get the idea. And to love others as you would love yourself. So, all right, that's enough. Love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area,